Hello, and welcome to a new Single Scoop episode. I'm JR, and today I'm joined with my co-host... Oldar. Today we're going to be talking about the KBS miniseries drama from 2003 entitled Sangdu, Let's Go to School. As always, there will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it, and you can always come back to this, or just keep on listening. So, without further ado, let's go into the plot. Sangdu and Unhwan are childhood friends and each other's first love. But due to tragic events, they are separated for 10 years. The drama follows the pair as they try to get back together again amid challenging circumstances and people who want to keep them apart. Here is some basic information about the drama. It aired from September 15th to November 4th, 2003 on KBS2. It's technically a miniseries, so there are only 16 episodes. It primarily deals with themes of love, found family, and fate. It was directed by Lee Hyung-min, who also worked on the movie Postman to Heaven, which Jae-jung fans know all about, and the hit drama Winter Sonata. But this drama was also written by Lee Kyung-hee, who also wrote many other dramas, including Model, which is a drama from 1997, and Chocolate, which was directed by Lee Hyung-min and was a nice reunion between them. Is Chocolate the one that was released? But like a couple years ago recently now. yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i wanted to watch that i still haven't had a chance to i want to watch model because i've heard about that before but really? i do not know anything about it yeah so it's like if i could find that that would be the oldest drama i've seen ooh. so ooh. we should look for it i'm interested yeah the assistant director was lee umbok who also worked as a director on dream high Descendants of the Sun, and many more titles you probably will recognize. Wow. Look at that. So let's talk about who appeared in this drama. Who was in here? All right. So the main character, Cha Sang-du, is played by Rain. He's the protagonist. And he was an orphan who was taken by his uncle to find a family to take him in. On the stoop of his new home, he meets Eun-hwan. They grow up happily together, but are separated when they're in high school. Sang-du ends up in Seoul with a daughter, Cha Bori and becomes a gigolo like his uncle in order to pay for her expensive hospital bills as she was born with aplastic anemia. Gong Kyojin plays Che Eun-hwan, who is the other main protagonist of the show. Her parents died when she was young, but her stepmother treats her like she's a blood relative. However, one night her stepmother runs off in the middle of the night after taking money from their neighbors, and that creates a whole set of problems. But anyway, she comes back for Eun-hwan and her younger stepbrother so that they can run away together. Ten years later, the family is doing much better financially, and Eun-hwan is a math teacher at the high school her brother attends. She also has a great boyfriend, Dr. Min-suk. Lee Dong-gun played Dr. Kang Min-suk, who is the second male lead. He is a pediatrician at a hospital and is quite the catch. <laughs> he becomes Bori's new doctor, and Bori is completely smitten with him due to how kind and handsome he is. Min-suk goes from being Eun-hwan's boyfriend to being the only adult in the room when drama happens involving Sang-du, Eun-hwan, and Sara. Speaking of Sara, she is played by Hong Soo-hyun, and her character is a girl that was abandoned by her parents at a young age and got to the point where she would steal to survive. She is the mother of Sang-du's daughter and is very stylish at the cost of constantly being in debt. So this next part, we like to call Idols of Note, and as mentioned earlier, Rain plays the protagonist Cha Sang-du. Rain has been an idol since the late 90s when he was in the idol group Fan Club. He later became a solo artist under JYP and grew to be the star we know today. This was actually his first ever venture into K-dramas. 
Now that we've talked about all the basic information, given you some groundwork, we'll talk a little bit about what we liked. Old R, why don't you start us off? In addition to this being Rain's first drama that he acted in, this was the first drama I purchased. And this was back in 2004. I still have my copy of it. It's not in very good shape. I don't know if we're going to show up by now, but it's been borrowed so many times over the years. And luckily, I was able to get it to work so that JR could watch it with me. And I still reference this drama to some of my high school friends. Oh like, my they know me from this. Like, they know they remember Sangdu. That's awesome. They don't remember Goong or Rooftop Room Cats. Everyone remembers Sangdu. <laughs> like, he's still an inside joke because they were all very interested in it. Even, like, guys who I would lend it out to who were not into dramas, they enjoyed it too. So it's very beloved. <laughs> but I had not seen it for over 10 years. I had not seen it since I was in high school because... Hopefully you'll we'll do something so that you can see this. But the main menu did not have a section for subtitles. It just came with them. But apparently, though, you can turn them on and off. And apparently one of my friends turned them off somehow. And I was not able to turn them back on until recently. So that was when I stopped lending it out to people. That's understandable. Luckily, we figured that out. However, there was another drama that I got that came out in the same year that did have the main menu with the subtitles that you could choose. So it's kind of interesting how I'm wondering how far back it didn't exist, even Mm -hmm. if it came with subtitles. So that's something to explore on another day. So as you could tell, I am very fond of this drama. Mm -hmm. And watching it as an adult versus as a teenager, I noticed how many details that were put into this drama. Most of it is through quotes or object placement. So when a twist happened, it typically felt logical and didn't come out of nowhere. Or like some of the characters have certain habits. Like Sangdu, you'll see him like he's like brushing down his sideburns. That's like one of his things, which I don't think that's ever been something that Rain did. I don't think he had that habit. So it's just kind of interesting how these characters have like little quirks that just make them more personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very well fleshed out in that sense. And it didn't feel like, oh, and then this happened, such as there's a conflict where Unwan's mom, her stepmom technically, had lost her daughter years ago. And you see the poster at the very beginning Mm -hmm. of the series and they incrementally just like focus on it and they have like dates and like writing down stuff where it's like, oh, this will come up later. She has a birthmark. Look out for that kind of thing. So it doesn't feel like even when there are those kind of twists, it feels like, okay, it was building up to it. It didn't feel like, and she was the daughter. Shock. Right. (laughs) I just liked how much planning was put into this. So yeah, that's my favorite thing about it. So Jared, what's your first thing that you liked? Sarah was one of my favorite characters. And typically, I'm not a big fan of like the self-absorbed, obnoxious characters like hers. But she also felt very human and sympathetic. And I think yeah, majority of the show, that was my main feeling towards her, even if she was largely flawed. And like, obviously, she got much worse towards the end due to yeah. a handful of other factors. But even then, her final scenes were very well wrapped up, in my opinion. 
Yeah, it definitely felt like even though she did things that are like, well, this is annoying. She won't leave Sungdu alone. She's not taking responsibility for Bodhi and all that stuff. You see, like they do a lot of flashbacks mm-hmm. because there's a lot of, here's the situation where these people are at, but then here's how they got into these situations. And so for her, more of the sympathy that you wouldn't have for otherwise come through those flashbacks where you see how she ended up there. Like at one point you find out that Bodhi is not Sangdu's blood daughter. That's not her dad. Mm-hmm. Even though he was raising her like it was dad and Seda told him that he was the dad. Right. But you kind of understood why she said it. Because she trusted Sangdu. He was kind to her. And she was scared. Like, okay. like it made sense. Yeah. And you can understand why she did things that she did. He was very much like her teddy bear, like her comfort blanket. Mm -hmm. No matter how cruel the world is to her, she can trust that Sangdu will do the right thing. Like, I think that's why then she gets him into the situations that she does. Because she's like, if I'm going to do it, at least I've got him. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay. And also she's she knows what she's getting herself into. Like she knows how unrealistic she's being, but she still wants to have the dream, which then she later finds out that wasn't the dream. Like he was just a image for her to look up to. So another thing that I liked was how this drama tackled topics of love and family because through Minsuk and Seda especially, like they were just like the secondary love interest. They actually had a point in this drama, which I really appreciated. And that they were a contrast to what true love is versus just, oh, we're a lot like each other or we're very used to each other or someone is being obsessed with someone. Like they really parse through what are those different feelings and what is true love. Right. There was a lot of like emotional work that happened between the two of them. It wasn't like we love each other and we're going to make it happen. It was a lot of, okay, we need to work through all of these issues that are here first and then go from there, which I really appreciated. There was a lot of self-reflection yeah. and growth. Mm-hmm. I think that that was one of my favorite things was just how the characters would look inward and say, oh, am I a problem? And when they were, how they would try to do something about it, which we'll talk about later. But I just really appreciated that. And then also for family, we got good examples of men taking care of kids, like being the primary yeah. caregivers. We got step parents who genuinely love their stepchildren. Like, and one's dad got remarried and then he died, but like her stepmom still treated her like a daughter. And you didn't even know that they were not blood related until really late in the game. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you would have thought that they were because they were so close. And I liked how they talked about people being family, even though they're not blood related. Like at the end, Minsook gets to join the family. Like he's literally the only person in this drama of the main characters who's not technically <laughs> somehow in the family. And they're like, come on over, Minsook, you're with us. Mm-hmm. Just like how people treat him. And also that means something to Minsook because from what we can gather is that his family was probably Chables. But then they moved to the U.S. and he was like, oh, I'm going to be the cool doctor here. But he didn't really have anybody. Like, we don't see him having any other friends or anything outside the hospital except for Unwan. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty much it. And he's very devoted. So, like, it's not really a problem of his character so much as, like, he's just kind of a loner otherwise. But then this brings him to where, like, he's got relationships. He feels better about himself, too. Right. That he knows what love means and he knows what his value is. I really appreciated that, how they made him grow in a way that that was good for him. It's not just, oh, you didn't get the girl. 
be happy about it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he he gained stuff from it. He gained his own sense of who he was and how he mattered and what he should look for in love. Right. That's a good point because a lot of times we've discussed this at length before, so I won't go too deep into it, but secondary characters don't necessarily get the growth that they deserve and they're often treated as props to like hold up the main couple but this was very well integrated across the board with all of the characters i think they did a really good job with that i know we had kind of issues with the last episode (laughs) but i feel like the good thing about the last episode was that even the most basic side character had a conclusion to their story like the male teacher of Unwans or like Songdu's fan club, they got an ending. People would just be like, oh, we're done with them. But this story was like, no, they're being included. They have something more to do. So I really appreciated that. Agreed. So let's talk about your next pick. My next favorite thing about this was the fashion. Anytime you show me a show from like 20 years back, I'm going to be like, Even farther back, I just really enjoy looking at how clothes have evolved over time. And in this show in particular, it was impeccable, specifically for the female characters, I think. Sarah was probably our favorite. We, (laughs) every time she was on the screen, we would discuss what she was wearing to some extent. She was super stylish and it was also really unique. I feel like a lot of clothing from that time in TV shows was kind of cookie cutter, but she had such a distinct look to her outfits. All of them felt like they were her, and they all were different than what you would see on the street on an, any given day in 2003. So I really enjoyed that. My my favorite outfit of hers was when she wore that one dress. It was strapless. Mm-hmm. It had a um, yellow base and then there were like green over it and then there was like a cord around her waist. And she, with the strappy heels that like went all the way up her legs, she looked like Tinkerbell. Yeah. Like also like with the, her hair being teased up so much, she looked like Tinkerbell. It was it's adorable. Like you could see her being someone like on the runway. And that was also another thing with her is like, she always looked larger than the rest of the characters. Mm-hmm. She always looked like she was heading to a different event than they all were. Like she just came out of a runway. She just walked yeah, off the runway and into the hospital. Styled to perfection. And it made sense for her character. Like she was kind of vain. She was very conscious of how she looked because she was trying to be a model. So it's just this attention to detail that was so present everywhere. And I really like that. Well, and also you could tell what she was feeling or what she was hoping to achieve by what she wore. Oh, good point. Like when she was wearing those more out there outfits or like the dress that made her look like Tinkerbell, that was when she was confident and she was coming in to do something for some reason. Like with the Tinkerbell one, she wanted to cheer up her daughter. But then at the end, she's more muted. And she even like changes like her hairstyle and everything because she's like, you know what? I don't want to be flashy anymore. Mm-hmm. So everything that she did with her style or even like in the flashback when she didn't really have money like that even showed her character too right and that being said Unhuan also dressed really well but differently since she was a young teacher it was obviously a lot more mature and put together compared to Sarah but that created a nice juxtaposition between them since they were the same age and here I had written that they were close in age but I realized I wrote that because I remember being confused as to how this woman could have two daughters (laughs) who are the same age 
And like we discussed earlier, that was because she was not actually her daughter. And I completely forgot that when I was writing the script. But yeah, she was very chic, but also professional throughout the entire show. Also, I really loved her wedding dress. I struggle with wedding dresses and K-dramas. I feel like they're always ugly, but I really liked her wedding dress. I didn't like the material of it, though. Yeah, it was kind of cheap looking, but the overall like silhouette of it, I thought was very pretty and flattering. Yeah, I'm gonna spoil this, but I feel like it's funny to spoil. At one point, Minsook says, I'm gonna get married to you, and they go and get like her fitted for like a wedding dress, and they're like, we're gonna just grab something off the rack, get it altered a little bit, and then we're gonna go get married. And he buys it for her, and then he bails on her. Because he pretty much just booked the church and got the dress so that she could marry Sangdu. That he was setting them up. And then the dude bounced and left the country. (laughs) That is just... I didn't think about, like, how much work he put into and how much scheming he did. Mm -hmm. He was so determined to get out of their way that he did everything. He would buy everything and then he bounced. Like, what a man. (laughs) All right, why don't you tell us your last point before we go on to what we disliked about the show? Well, I have one more point as well, but your final point of this section. (laughs) (laughs) So I liked how when the characters got all of the information and understood their impact on Sangdu and Unwan, they typically tried to do the right thing and get out of their way. Because a lot of the conflict was from people not knowing. But to be fair, it's like, of course, nobody had all the stories because, first of all, Unwan and Sangdu were split up. Sangdu knew what was happening to her. She didn't know what was happening to him. And then he was gone in jail and she left, didn't know about him, and he didn't know that she'd gone. And then it's like, well, then 10 years later, of course, there are going to be misunderstandings because both of them just left suddenly Mm -hmm. in their minds that they just ditched each other. And then it's like, well, when they got the information of here's what happened in it, they would slowly lay it out. That where it wasn't overwhelming and then you could just see how characters would react as they were slowly getting that information they were processing it Mm -hmm. until we got towards the very end and they were like okay i see this whole story wow (laughs) Wow. i didn't realize that i was hurting both of Mm y'all my bad let me help you now like even the most antagonistic characters came to that conclusion Mm -hmm. which i thought was really refreshing (laughs) it felt like People who wanted to do the right thing. They didn't want to be that bad guy. They were just doing what they thought was right. right. And then when they realized that they weren't, because they didn't understand what was going on, they were like, okay, I'm changing it. Like, Unwan's little brother, he used to love Sangdu. Like, he was basically Sangdu's like, brother. And then when Sangdu came back, he was like, who is this jerk? And then Unwan finally says, you used to like him when you were a kid. And he's like, wait, that's Sangdu? That's the same mm-hmm. one as the one who... I put weights in my boxing gloves and try to knock him out. That song, do? And it's like, yes. And he was like, oh. And then at the very end, he tries helping him so much. He he really had the roughest time out of most of the characters. <laughs> he was in high school. Yeah. In the span of a few months, his entire world got flipped upside down. <laughs> Poor guy. I think just everyone was so refreshingly human, but in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was really open and maybe they didn't want to do a certain thing, but they still did it if it was for the best of someone else. Yeah, Seta especially, where she was very selfish, but then you understood why she was selfish. But then when she truly understood what the consequences were of her selfishness and what Sangdu had to go through because of her, when she found that out, 
and she's like, wow, okay, I'm done. She was like, I am changing my hairstyle and I'm going to go use a dating service and I'm going to go hook up with a man. And then JR and I argued over this. There was a guy that she had a date with and she wasn't sure about him because he looked older. He had a son. She's like, oh, I'm not sure about this. But then, and she was like trying to be mean and then leave. But then when she heard the son's name was Song Du, she sat back down. But I feel like though the, the writers wanted to do that because she wouldn't have taken him seriously otherwise. Like Songdu was the one name she kind of had some respect and affection for out of everyone in the world. Songdu pretty much never wronged her. So then it's like, you can trust this man. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that they had to do it. And also that's the thing with the characters, when they went and finally tried to do the right thing, how they finally got what they truly desired. Like with Seta, she finally got to have a stable family life as soon as she let go of Songdu and she finally accepted Bodhi was her daughter and she's going to take responsibility for Bodhi. Or like the uncle, how he pretty much didn't have enough anybody. The happiest that we saw him in the drama was when he was giving up that life. And when clients would try calling him on the phone that he was previously scamming, he'd go, no, I'm out of it. Like he was just so joyful mm -hmm. to be going straight, not be into crime anymore, even though he did fall back into it. Like just the happiest moments that we saw from him was when he was not doing that. When he was saying, no, I'm getting away from it. So that was really awesome. But I really like that even the most selfish and misguided characters wanted what was best for their loved ones. Right. Even though it took them a long time to do the right thing, they did it. And I also like that there wasn't really an antagonist who caused a lot of conflict. And bad actors, basically, appeared to be more sympathetic than evil. It's like they were doing bad things, but you could see why. Like, they weren't just, I'm going to destroy everything just to be mean. Like these, nobody was like a serial killer or like up to no good. It was just people doing things that weren't great. And I think eventually everyone was able to overcome mostly their negative traits and chose to do good. That was another thing was that they chose. At one point they're like, I'm not going to be a jerk. I'm not going to stand in your way, that sort of thing. And they were eventually all rooting for Unwan and Sungdu and trying to help them to like the best of their ability. Or like at the end when the high schoolers organized to see who would be a match to be a donor for Bodhi and just how people would like get into it. Like even the teachers were trying to see if they were matches too. Like mm -hmm. everyone was trying. Community. I love the community. Yeah. And the and person who ended up being a match for Bodhi and saving her was someone who... who also really didn't have family either. Like her dad, mom and dad left her. So then she got a new family too. She got to be with the Chase. So very sweet. So what's your last favorite? All right. My last favorite thing about this show had to be Song Minju who played Bori. She was just an incredible child actor. And the fact that she literally physically shaved her head for the role was shocking to me because I found out she was the same age as me. So during this time, she would have been four or five years old. And I mean, here is an important thing to a little girl. So she did it with such grace and her expressions were always on point and she really made me feel things. <laughs> her character was just one of my favorites and she was absolutely adorable. I loved every time she was on the screen. But it's just unfortunate she hasn't acted since 2006. So she made her money and then dipped. I can appreciate that. But <laughs> She went to go live a normal life. Good for her. Yeah. 
I like that she acted her character's age because mm-hmm. there's sometimes where child characters are written to be much older, much younger. But it's like, okay, that makes sense for her age. And also made sense for like the situation she was in. Her dad and her uncle are not the best people, mm-hmm. but they always wanted to try to do the best for her and loved her unconditionally. Like at first the uncle was like, take her back to the orphanage because that's what happened. Set up had the baby and told Song Du, you're the dad and I'm taking her to the orphanage. And then he's like, well, then I'll go take care of her. And he knew that she was sick and he was going to do anything in his power to save her. Mm -hmm. So they had good hearts, but they would just do dumb stuff. Like at one point they were doing a protest because Bodhi was upset that the doctor had taken a friend of hers to a theme park and not her. And (laughs) there's just certain things like that because she liked the doctor. There's one point when... They used that affection for she was really upset because she was losing her hair. And they'd previously shown that whatever girl had a certain hairstyle, Bodhi would try to imitate that style. If she heard that, like, he liked a girl with braids, she said, Dad, give me braids. Like, she would do all that. And then in order to combat her, because she's crying, miserable that she's losing her hair because of chemo and stuff. Then to sort of make her accept that she's going to lose your hair, the doctor pretends that he's in love with women who are bald. And she says, make me like this, dad. Like, once again, shows Minsuk as such a good doctor and character that he's like, yeah, let's let's make this hard time as best as we can. Mm-hmm. Like, make her think that it, like, it was her decision that it's not just because she's losing her hair. And also, like, she's like singing and playing with a doll while Sangdu is cutting her hair. It's just like, oh, that was just so emotional. Agreed. So let's talk about what we didn't like. What was your first thing? So my first thing that I didn't like, and I have not liked this for many years, but especially as an adult now, I'm like, okay, I don't like this even more. I understand that there were many, many emotional situations that characters found themselves in, but I still feel like sometimes the reactions were too over the top. There are a lot of characters I'd understand it from. Like Seta, when she would do something stupid because she got over emotional, made more sense. But when it was Unwan, she would sometimes go so far off and be so reckless that it was annoying. Like, no, you do not need to slam your hands in the car or run into the street. Mm-hmm. The amount of times we were like, yes, that person is being kidnapped, but you slamming on your hands on the window isn't helping at all. She was just using her palms in the window. It's like not ripping at the door handle, but just like just like slamming her palms against mm-hmm. the glass. It's like, you're not going to change anything. You're just being loud. <laughs> making handprints that's all you're doing yeah i completely agree and we've said this multiple times at this point but it was like a really level-headed show there was a lot about it that was grounded in reality but then there were times when like you said someone would do something completely outrageous and that would just take you out of it because you're like i was watching people be normal up until this point and now they're acting manic and that's out of character yeah so yeah, I, I would agree with this point. But to be fair, though, Unwan and Sangdu were always set up to be as more emotions than brains. Yeah. Like, <laughs> both of them. <sighs> well, that was where this whole conflict started with them being separated, aside from the mom ditching the kids, that they're trying to collect items out of Unwan's family home. And then Sangdu sees Unwan crying over the, I believe it's a gramophone, that her dad had. That's, like, the only possession she still has ever over dad and sung do tries to intervene and go hey i will pay for this just give it to me and the guy just like refuses and then sung <laughs> knocks him 
into a creek and then he's unconscious oh my which gosh. is why he gets arrested and all that jazz mm-hmm. but they always go to like extremes yeah so what's the first thing that you dislike the tonal shift in the show is not something i necessarily dislike so much as i just really enjoyed the lighter parts of the drama that happened at the beginning once everything started getting really heavy i was just kind of disappointed that so much of that levity had been left in the first half of the show and we were just getting despair at every turn (laughs) (laughs) i tried to warn you i'm like we're about to head into the danger zone yeah it it wasn't bad it wasn't bad i just really enjoyed when everyone was having a good time (laughs) well i think also the difference is that because like as the audience we don't know the whole backstory but then as the drama is going on and they're showing you more and more about the situation and how bad things really are then it's like oh (laughs) oh brings it down yeah because then you're understanding it's like oh suddenly this is really serious like one thing i will say though is that like i believe it's in the first or second episode you have a student that is trying to jump from the top of the building trying to commit suicide so just warning and the way that it's handled is kind of comedic which like normally that wouldn't work in this situation it does Mm -hmm. because it's about getting the kid to be okay and stuff and you do see that character that kid throughout the rest of the drama too so he's fine right so you do realize that it can go up to like 10 with seriousness but it doesn't feel like it until the later episodes because i feel like we have more of an understanding of what led up to the events Mm -hmm. whereas like stuff like that at the very beginning was just like oh this happened we are thrown into it as much as the characters are yeah i agree but there's still some funny moments as it goes later like especially with uncle Mm -hmm. i feel like he got funnier over time or like the school principal like he was kind of sweet at the beginning but then he just got into stuff where it's like this man what are you doing you're just you're supposed to do something else <laughs> but instead you're just sitting down and embroidering shoes with song do <laughs> i love it like he just does stuff like that seto was at first a comedic character and then she really became the opposite and same with minsook where like mm-hmm. he was more of a calm character but then he kind of became comedic in the middle like whenever he was with song do it's like ah, something's gonna go down and then eventually though their relationship turned more serious to where there was no joking. So what was your next dislike? So this one, it's just me being picky, I know. We've already mentioned Sung Du's profession. And the way that Sung Du picked his targets, it was more on the scam side than the, okay, we all know what's going on kind of thing. But the way that he picked his targets, some of those women, I feel like, really should have known the score. Especially since they were transferring so much money multiple times. If you are consistently sending your much younger honey, quotes, around 10k, he might not be that into you. And later in the show, there's a side character that's well aware that she's getting together with people of his profession and that they are not her just general boyfriends. So why is that not the case for Sung Du or like why is it that none of those women ever like realized it? Like they were always just shocked. It's like I mean like yeah. you need to at least at the very least you were a sugar mama but like none of them seem to acknowledge that it must just be like a desperation for another person you know like they were just so lonely and but i feel like though when you're yeah. routinely buying him cars watches sending about ten thousand dollars like every few weeks mm-hmm. like you didn't catch on especially because he was supposedly 
rich as well in these scenarios, right? Yes, he was, that's what never made sense. <laughs> he was a business really, owner. Yeah. He was always on like business trips like to Hong Kong and stuff like that, you know, like t- dealing real big money. So why would he need you to buy him this expensive watch when the way that he presented himself to, to the women was that he was higher than them? Right. It's a good point. So it just made me wonder, like, why is it that that like they were always surprised and always just thought this way? But also, why didn't he like once again in character in the later part of the show who knew what she was getting into? It's like, why didn't you do that as well? Obviously, it was about just like scamming people. This whole thing was just a scam. But like, that's what it came down to was a being scam of just trying to take people's money. But like, you could have done it without people like knowing like your targets. I feel like that would have been more consistent relationship instead of having to go, oh, I need this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that that's the thing that like uncle trained him to be that way. But I feel like though he should have gotten to the point where he was like, hey, I'm up for hire. (laughs) It's like, if you want to do this, you know what's happening. But we never got to that point. Right. Which is obnoxious. Which is how he got caught, too. So so what's the next thing that you disliked? Okay, so the final thing I want us to talk about is the final episode. I hated the final episode. And in my opinion, the conclusion was a complete cop-out. We are sitting here watching this show for 15 and a half hours just for Sangdu and Eunhwan to die at the end. And I, I, my mind will not be changed. I think it's a terrible finale. <laughs> I literally sat there laughing awkwardly going, this is a joke, right? And it's not a joke. You were kind enough to tell me, no, this is actually how it ends. And ugh, I didn't like it. I just didn't like it. Your explanation for why they did it this way makes sense. I still hate it. But you don't like it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> And it kind of takes away from the show as a whole to me, but I still enjoyed it overall. Whereas, so your analysis was that, so just for people who haven't watched it, her analysis is that, well, they didn't need to die. That's stupid. That like, we didn't need to go the Romeo and Juliet kind of route. Yeah, it was very Shakespearean tragedy. <laughs> it did feel like that, which I feel like is unusual in dramas, rom-com dramas nowadays, but I feel like it was more common in the past, like with Autumn in My Heart. Spoiler. The main chick dies. I think the dude <laughs> does too. If I remember correctly, I've not watched it in a couple of years. We need to rewatch that. And also Winter Sonata. And then I'll make you cry with Spring Waltz. Well, there's also a summer one, but I have not, I have no info on that one. But well, first of all, I feel like they put in so many different hints about it. When they were teenagers were talking about star-crossed, like it was like two stars, I think, who wanted to be lovers, but they were always separated. And there was always like, as long as you're basically living, you have to be separated. Mm -hmm. But I feel like they had to be separated because if they hadn't been, then Sada and Bodhi would not have had the good ending that they had. Right. Uncle would have just been a drifter, as it were. The mom never would have found her daughter without Sangdu, I believe. And Minsuk, I feel like, would have been much more miserable. So I feel like Sangdu and Unwan were only in their lives for a certain time to get them together. But as long as they were doing that, they couldn't be together. Because mm-hmm. it was like there was always something, because they were basically helping these people to eventually become a family, they were splitting themselves apart in the process. So basically, they had to do what they had to do. And then when that time came, they were done with their work. They did what they needed to do on this earth. And I think that they didn't go to heaven or purgatory or anything like that. I think they went to live their next life. 
just thinking about how they commented about it and also like just like how the next life appears Mm -hmm. so i think that they just went to their next life spiritually i mean like physically they were dead very obviously dead but then they could finally be together but they had to go back to that day when they were separated and then they got to grow up together Mm -hmm. i feel like they had to because otherwise it would just kept going on and on with them being split and they were getting exhausted i didn't really realize it until this time viewing it they really ran themselves into the ground for other people right so they would not have had peace if they remained so it was sad, totally agree, but yeah, I feel like it had to happen though. I can see where you're coming from with that. Yeah, I we cannot like it and say, well, they should have lived, but... I think it's just, it was the last like 20 minutes and they're like, you're done. And I'm just like, okay. But I like how they handled their death compared to other dramas where it's, most dramas it's just, well, it's the end. They're gone, bye. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Song Do, it was like, don't worry. The people were left behind are doing okay. Mm-hmm. And the people who died, they're happy too. Yeah. Yeah. Even though like they're separated. It's like everyone's happy. Everyone had a good ending, technically. Like death, you would think it was a good ending. But I think a lot of people think with death is very scary, very sad. But if you see beyond the grave, they went to be happy. Then I think it's easier for people. Less grief, I think. (laughs) However, my last thing that I didn't like was that... (laughs) It's like, I know that this is really petty, but I was really annoyed that at the end, Janga, who was Songdu's dog, was not with him and Unwon in their next life. Like, why? Because they replaced the dog with a baby. <laughs> you can have both. Unwon could have hold the, held the puppy while Songdu had the baby. Like, we could have done that. She could have had a stroller for the dog. Mm-hmm. Like, we could have done that. It's true. We could have had both. It's true. There's no reason, especially because Jonga was kind of important to Sung Do and Unwon. Like, he was one of the few links that they had together. And once again, found family where they had the dog. It's like, oh, your owner abandoned you? I'm going to take you. Yeah. And then also the way that Jonga died was so sad. Yeah. I just wanted to see the dog again. So I'm very sad. So I just, why not? I want the dog. Which also looks like the Target dog, by the way, yeah. for those of you who are in the U.S. And you know what Target is and the dog mascot. It was that dog. Was Minus the <laughs> Red Bull <laughs> Minus the, yeah, the Target on the, the Target dog's face. So I know that this sounds really depressing because the way that we're going at it. But it genuinely is an up, not really an upbeat series. Uplifting, you could say. <laughs> it makes you go through the emotions, but I feel like you come out of it feeling okay. Mm-hmm. Like, there's certain dramas where you're just, like, devastated at the end or just angry or, like, I'm done. I'm tired of them. But I feel like for this one, like, you're gonna come out okay. Just be kind of like, are you kidding me? But at least, like, the kid got to go to kindergarten. People got to have family, that whole thing. So let's move on to talking about the OST for this drama. This has 12 tracks. And is more eclectic than soundtracks for K-dramas tend to be, which I kind of liked. Mm -hmm. So the main theme for this is called To the End of the World, Sesang Katkaji. And it's a very happy theme. It's a bop. And it was sung by Lee Ji-woo. And loved it so much. It was very fun. And like the lyrics really matched it, Mm -hmm. which I really liked. It's just like everything about this OST and also this drama technically were very intentional. And then the next one, which is like the big ballad song that everyone knows, and it's also the title track considered for the OST is 
My Love. And it was sung by Che Jong-cho. Very beautiful. I don't think I've ever seen it referenced anywhere else. But there were also multiple tracks that were on the soundtrack by Popium. So Popium, as we found out, is a Norwegian band. Yeah. <laughs> so I did not know that before today. So there's quite a few English tracks on the album. Beautiful Thing, which is fun, upbeat song. Silver Lining, which is also pretty fun. Perfectly Numb, very enjoyable. Yeah, if you like Popium, then hey, this is the soundtrack for you. Obscure Norwegian groups <laughs> making appearances in K-dramas. I, which once again, I thought they were British. Mm-mm. I thought it was like an older British, maybe from the 80s, but this band I think debuted in 1998. So, hmm. and they're still going. So they've been present for about 24 years. Yeah, they're from Bergen. Uh, Min will strangle us later if we're not pronouncing it right. It's from Bergen, Norway. So that's pretty cool. That's one thing I just absolutely love about K-dramas. The OSTs always... I don't think I've ever come across a K-drama that had OSTs I disliked. Like, I might not like it as much as some other ones, but they're always good, in my opinion. Uh, There's some that are bad. I'll (laughs) tell you after this. There's some where I'm like, this just made everything worse. That's unfortunate. Uh, I'm sorry you've come across those. Yeah. Yeah. Also, something I didn't like about this OST, though, was that there's this one song. I don't know how to explain it. Like, very chill beach music. Ooh. That, like, it's just like a thing that, like, when I transitioned into scenes that they did not include. And I thought it was very pretty and I was very annoyed. <laughs> so, how dare. And the last song I want to talk about, which is actually my favorite song on the soundtrack, was My Promise. And it was a song typically used when a character was kind of miserable and wandering around while thinking about their situation and i don't know why but i love this very much this is actually my favorite one and this is probably the song that i've listened to the most on the soundtrack Mm. so if you have a chance give the soundtrack a listen it's probably different from what you're used to in korean soundtracks but that's just my personal favorite and then there's also a song that was used to the intro of the drama that has an older vibe called i don't stop so that's another one that's pretty good too. So if you had the chance to listen, give it a chance. It's just 12 tracks and it's probably different from what you're used to. Mm-hmm. With my box set, this OST came with it, which I really liked because I've not run into a drama box set that has done that since. Like I didn't get the soundtrack for Rooftop Room Cats until I went to Korea. And I've had that drama since 2004. Mm-hmm or 2005 <laughs> that's really annoying when you have to get separately or like my lovely samsung and gung i didn't have the soundtrack i had to buy the soundtracks for separately spring waltz too but spring waltz made sense why it had to be separate so i really appreciate that this one included it so what would you say jr would you recommend people watch it if they can find it or nah i feel like it depends on your mood more than anything if you can handle what kind of mood if you can handle the tragedy go for it because there's a lot of good things that precede the tragedy (laughs) there's also a lot of funny moments Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. yeah also if you like rain yeah rain was really good i was shocked that this was this was his first drama yeah yeah and this is also gong kyo jin this was after she did volcano high and emergency act 19 Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about at another time (laughs) because it's a masterpiece in my opinion I would agree. (laughs) Totally. It's just amazing. But 
I feel like all the actors were very good. And I know you don't like the guy who played Minsook, which to be fair, I liked him in this. And then I try to watch a movie he was in called My Boyfriend is Type B and I hated it. <laughs> like I hated it. Totally. And I haven't seen him in anything else I like since besides this drama. I really loved him in this. Mm-hmm. He was so good. I, I don't know what it is about him. I just, maybe it's the characters I've seen him in before, but I am just not a fan of him. He just picks bad characters. It could be that. Except yeah. for this one. This one was a good one. Mm-hmm. I did there's, like his There's character. a couple of actors who it's like, I like the actor. I don't like any of the characters they do. Mm-hmm. Or like the dramas they're in. Like there's a lot of those out there. Agreed. But I feel Oof. like this was a good one. So <laughs> especially because this is, well, you're doing research on that right now before, you know, this comes out mm-hmm. about idol actors and how frowned upon, well, they still are, but especially more back then, before you started seeing those idols were crossing over into musicals and it was highly publicized about that mm-hmm. or having like lead roles in movies and such. This is one of those I feel like that stands the test of time when it's like there actually were good idol actors back in the day. Because also with first gen, most of them did not get any training yeah. with acting. Yeah, it's much more common for them to have that nowadays also it helps that a lot of companies though have been built up to where they can have those resources and now it's more expected even if someone is not that good at acting they at least had some background in it right to where it's like and it's okay, a promotional tool you know it's like oh i like yeah. this actor he has a pretty face she has a pretty face let me look into them oh they're part of an idol group great i will listen to their music <laughs> especially if they included their music on yeah. the soundtrack yeah. like i don't know if we talked about this but how i found out about this drama was that rain had just released i believe it was his second album and one of the songs on there had the music video for it was shots of rain performing doing photo shoots but then also there were clips of this drama in there mm-hmm. and because of that because i like that song so much and i thought oh that looks very interesting looks very heartfelt that then I bought the drama because of that. Right. Which it, it must have come out months after this. Yeah, I also think it's interesting that he chose a role like this where he plays a gigolo. Because <laughs> he was fairly young. And a young. dad. Yeah, and a dad. He was 21, I think. Yeah, he was fairly young. He was not fresh out of Early 20s. fan club. But no, no, not. But he still probably had a little bit of that image. So for him to do something like this, I think was very brave of him. (laughs) And I think it I think it paid off. Uh, Totally. Mm -hmm. I feel like it really adds to especially like if you were so used to someone like I think he was actually the magne of fan club. Like he was like 17 or something at the time. Wow. I feel like him being in this kind of if he had like the little, you know, young image. I feel like this would have tied into him as a solo artist mm-hmm. way better. Yeah. That then this would have helped to overcome the image. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, when they try to break their young image and try to go in a more mature direction, they they go too far with it because they're like, right. I just want you to see me as an adult. But this was right. not crass in any way. And it was just right. it was just so well done in that regard. I think that also comes down to like one of the things that I started looking into because of you was into who was directing it and who was writing it mm-hmm. and what other work have they done? Because then you can kind of get a sense of here's what they're going for. Right. So when I saw that the director also worked on Winter Sonata, it's like, oh, that is legendary. That's some serious stuff. I understand that, okay, then they can do this one. Or the assistant director who later went on to do Descendants of the Sun, that kind of thing. It's like, 
that makes more sense or like how oh the writer and director later worked on chocolate together it's like then those two are going to work well together Mm -hmm. like it felt very much intentional they included some of the promotional stuff like they were on variety shows yeah it was so cute that we found that were included with the box set yeah and it felt very much like something really enjoyable for like everyone involved it would be fun to watch chocolate to just kind of compare almost 20 years later i don't know much about chocolate either like i there were a number of names that i recognized Mm -hmm. it was the secret garden the secret garden female lead i can't remember her name off the top of my head have you seen that what secret garden okay i haven't yeah yeah yeah. i enjoyed it it was fun that came out when i was in college so i haven't Mm. seen it so we'll have to watch that, add that to the list. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. Too. The list just grows. So many, we have such a long one. <laughs> it's great. I feel like this is a drama that if you want to get a sense of how things were back in the day, like I feel like 2003, it is different from stuff that came out in the 90s, but also different to stuff that came out now. Mm-hmm. Like people th- seem to be under the impression that, oh, idols and dramas wasn't really a thing until like late second generation or something like that. Which is not watch true. this. This is... <laughs> Yeah, this is something that I think a lot of people have stereotypes about idol actors. It completely shoves that down. Agreed. In fact, I think I'm going to mention it in my article. Wow. All right. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, then please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and tell your friends about us. If you want to interact with us or just see more of our content, then you can follow us on Twitter at KpopSunbase or on our other social media platforms, which will be in the description. More single scoops are coming your way soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Annyeong.